Hello and welcome to a old new world. Welcome. Uh, perhaps one of the hardest shows or podcasts we may have to do. Uh, it's it's been a hard, a very very hard few weeks in terms of conversations that we've been having. Yeah. Uh, the emotions, the up and down emotions that we've been having over the last few uh, few weeks, uh, and it's something that's always been there. But perhaps I think what triggered it was social media and the death which so many people viewed and saw and the trigger for so many was the death of George Floyd. Yeah. And in um, we saw it. There was no running from it. There was no hiding from it. Um, I think in um, Minneapolis they responded really well with what's happened. But um, in terms of the rapid pace in which for me, the summit may not be the case in which they, they looked at the officers and what they did and they act accordingly. But for a lot of people, young people in particular, uh, it it just triggered that thought, that conversation, that need to protest. And for me, who's older, it was almost a chance of viewing something going backwards. It was like back to the future, but with more 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 information available. Um, how did you find it? How's it been for you? Um, it's been tough, considering it's something that I've seen, well, in history, happen to, like, like decades ago, civil rights movement and like apartheid and like what's happened. I was thinking right. in the nineties with um the London, the London riots, London riots and stuff like that. And it's yeah, something's been. I know of, but never really had like a first-hand experience of being a part of or like witnessing in like my lifetime. And now I'm actually here. So, um, and and yeah. and I think what it did for us, it, it had those conversations because, um, and I've always said it: loving loving oneself and oneself individually or collectively doesn't mean you have to have hatred for somebody else. So, th- this weekend was again one of those 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 moments that took me right back emotionally to a time in the in the late 70s where because of football and indifference people will riot um mm. england was notorious and actually banned for the violence it had um in terms of that was related to football violence so seeing something which was under the banner of football lads alliance or i'm hopefully i'm getting the name right but to me it was fascist lads alliance off the back end of Brexit and a feeling of um, which started ironically and to me emotionally from a sense of what happened to George Floyd before George Floyd there was also um, the the, um, the the incident in Central Park oh the Central Park 5 the no that before that was that was, again that was something oh that woman the woman said, that's right yeah. that, that was threatened the man to call the police Please. There was other deaths, and, and unfortunately, there's still in America as a, as a big place, but there's still people who are dying and being killed um, by the police. And around that time, I think that there's other. Um, I won't go into it because we've all read it, and it's not. And to me, it's 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 something which has touched so many people. And the more we go and look at it, the the you see the injustice, and then it questions why the injustice, why why is America supposedly the wealthiest nation in the world that has gained so many opportunities that people will want to go to. 
why is it the relationship that it appears to be police versus black people? Yes, some people may say, well, overall, it's not just that. It's not the relationship with black people on a whole. It's like, well, what about um, communities and violence within these communities and other uh, and other aspects in terms of that? Which, to me, someone like Candice Owens uses this as an opportunity people to distract from what is actually going on because in the context of the history of America, you can't leave out the history and relationship of Britain as it was to the United States of America and America getting its freedom from Britain and the laws that became for people. But bearing in mind, some people were seen as three-fifths of a human being Mm. at that time. So think about that. You're not actually seen as a human being. Even in terms of Christianity, you're not seen as a Christian. Primarily, a Christian is seen as somebody who is um, white and European, and not even white and European, and white and English. Because even if you go back to this, um, check it out, Bacon's Revolution, um, it, the invention of a race of people that didn't exist. And in terms of, uh, you also see in, in, in America, where the elite, who were primarily from Brit, who were English, who were British, had to find a way of uniting people and identifying with a cause. So that in itself became an invention of a, a, a group of people, invention of a race. And when they lost um, the, the right to have slaves, that's further on because obviously we go to Jamestown, we go to 16, uh, was it 1620? So 1619. Um, which means 401 years of a system, which means that Britain, the UK, was a part of that introduction of what we see now. Uh, And post-Brexit, yesterday, there were were riots. Um, There was where one group of people were saying just that your life matters, and another group of people were saying that an institution and statues for an institution should be protected, even though they weren't they were protected. So when you go and you dig further, there's always a sense of for one side, a sense of maybe loss and something that we've got to protect, which we what are we protecting? And another side which is just saying, look, it matters to be a human being. It matters to have a basic human right and a sense of equality, especially when it comes to um, the simplest things like work. Um, I sat down and I was thinking, um, four generations we have. Yeah. And from the no blacks, no dogs, no Irish, to a young man who is starting primary school and and has no concept. His his friends, like my friends were at the time, were all, was everybody. Everybody, black, white, Asian, male, young men, female. The, the biggest problem was for me is if my football team lost or if the team I was playing for, um, we, we, we lost and there was a fight and I, I may have got beaten or whatever. There, there was the day-to-day worries of kids just running around and doing whatever. And I see I see um, the fourth generation in our family doing that, just hyper, enjoying life. Yeah. Um, my, my first aspect of dealing with racism was I remember I was a young, maybe nine, Nine ten was an interesting turning point in my life because as a young, young, and he was mixed race at the time. Um, he came up to me and he was calling me all these names. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I remember holding him up as you do as a kid because he was slightly younger, maybe about eight and I was about nine or 10. 
And like, you know, you had a little tussle and blah, blah, blah. And he's going to get his bigger brother. He got his bigger brother. And I say, what's wrong with this guy? He's coming out with these names. He's, oh, I apologise. You know, the usual thing things do. But I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And then I remember, um, for me, my first contact with police, ironically, um, that I remember was when I was slapped in the face for walking down the road with my two white friends. Um, think about it. A 10-year-old kid walking down the road, slapped in the face by a man who was a neighbour. And this is, this is real. And the police came to me and they came to our house and they were great. They were great. And that for me was the first time I can't say I had a bad experience at 10 with the police, but I had a bad experience, which was linked to racism when someone slapped me in my face for no apparent reason, just because I was walking down the road with two of my friends who happened to be white and English discussing that the fact they came back from holiday from Spain, the police were really good. But 10 years on from that, I've had some really bad experiences with the police. Um, and again, overall, some good ones and some indifferent. But and but as a number in the UK, even today when I was driving down the road, I looked at in my rearview mirror and I saw a light and it was the police and I was like, oh, not again. Because you, it triggers some of the negative um, aspects of a relationship that you have with the police. Mm. And it becomes the police versus us because we have a different relationship but again i can't turn around and say my personal experience has all been bad it hasn't all been bad but what has been bad has been awful it's been terrible it's, it's, it is the expression it has been emotional it's been emotional as these last few weeks but all right i've kind of used this as a means of therapy and just and just um expressing certain things and i'm, I'm going to touch go back and touch on a few points but how's it been for you how's it been for your friends um, it's different since again if, um, we all all experience this as like seeing through social media and as friends and coming together especially in lockdown where we can't really like, come together and it's a good point actually lockdown yeah we can't really talk about it in like a normal setting it's kind of more seen through like I'd say like Instagram stories checking on each other if we're okay so, um, Twitter posts stuff like that but um I think it's effects as a collective, like a generation. It's um affecting a lot of us how it should, which is kind of like and like it's like it's hard, but it's opening our minds to like and opening our eyes to what's actually happening. It's making mm-hmm. us really like see it and dive deep into what we actually know, but never really think about. And and, and I think that's that's for us. Because I was, I was listening to the Martin Luther King speech about I have a dream and hope. And fundamentally, um, in the 60s, there was hope. In America, um, post-Windrush, when um, a lot of people from the Caribbean came, also people came from Asia in the 70s. Um, Asia being India, not in terms of that India-Pakistan. Um, there, there was what was seen by some. And I remember speaking to a lady. She, was, she actually enlightened me in my 20s because I had a certain viewpoint. And she said, imagine that you're in the in England, in London, and your world has been basically England. Um, it's very, it is very, in terms of a colour aspect, if you want to put it on it, it's very white. Um, it's very working class. It's class a class-based society. And then overnight, literally, that dynamic changes. You see people who, and have to interact with people that you don't really know. So sometimes the negative imagery and the words that were used came directly from what was already established in um, in films in in from America. America's mm. racism actually followed people from 
the Caribbean in the late 50s and 60s here. So for a lot of people who are my parents and, and younger, your age, imagine someone your age, but being in the UK with signs say no blacks, no dogs, no Irish primarily. And they was welcomed by a lot of people, but there was a hostility by so many others. So for me as a parent, um, I'm like, you know what, um, let's work towards a future. Let's work towards um, a, a better a better future for us. And it's about forgiving and forgetting because most, if you, if you have aspects of religion or philosophy or you look in terms of moving moving forward, forgiveness is always the key. Even the man that slapped me in my, my face, I think it took me till I was, what, maybe 19, 20, but you go on this aspect of forgiveness. But then when you see what's happened and you look at it, for many people, that's the advert, especially with the president of the United States at this moment. Who would want to go to America? I definitely want to go to America. <laughs> I, I, I remember talking to someone that said about, yeah, I, I want to do a road trip and want to travel across America. And we had that conversation the other day and I thought, nope, no way. Because I look at it and this has always been the case. This guy was so keen. I worked with him and he, one of his things was a road trip across America. And the irony of it is that even though we're in the UK, we share the same experience. We have the conversations about football, about life, about family, just to take that experience and go to, from, to one country and from one, mass, one part of a country to another. That's a, that's a horror film for me. That's not, that's not an, that's, that's not, so already live, like having us live in a like looking over our shoulder as a natural kind of thing having like a sense of awareness of just being where you are like knowing to what parts of london you have to be or even parts That's of the right. uk you have to yeah. be and knowing what to how to act in like certain areas and especially That's around right. police and like just some things like in communities doing that in london's like stressful enough at times but doing that in america where like if I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, I could die anyway in the UK. But having that, I don't know what to, to what like kind of like mathematical figure, but having that increase to the web X number. Exponentially, yeah. In America where even if the police, at least here they used to arrest me or like. And you said something interesting, which is about certain areas that you can go or not go. You've got to kind of understand yeah. the, the, the politics of the road, the good politics on the street. Yeah. The irony of that is that's something that's imported in from America again. Yeah. Um, and it's, we don't, right, and hopefully people will stop and think about this. Most of the aspect of it is that drugs is a part of it. But I remember having this conversation with someone, I think, well, how come the UK back in the day, there wasn't this whole, they call it post-Cold War, or that, it, they, that didn't exist. If you go to places in the Caribbean, if you go to South Africa, if you go to other aspects where there's groupings of people, even in Australia, uh, there is this whole kind of mindset about you know you, where you can go and where you can't go all right it's tribal as as pe people as human beings we are tribal mm -hmm. i get that but in terms of racism and I, to me i call it what it is i, I see it as neo-racism i see it as a sense of hate a sense of there is there is groupings of people poverty come into it but generally speaking you see someone that looks at you like you and it's about value I remember having a conversation because I... Um, I get what you're saying, but I don't think racism is the kind of right word to say it. I, I, I think it is. I it's think a part of what's causing this like systemic oppression of what like the system has done for those communities and caused that to like have a backlash with like different communities of the same race going against each other. But like having it 
be direct racism is not. No, no, I never said direct. I never said direct, and I wouldn't say direct. But because it, in terms you said of racism, it, it is racism. Because I think under the banner of racism, you can have systematic racism, you can have structural racism, you can have whatever prefix for what racism is. But ultimately, if there's self hatred, self hatred being for me governed by the fact that we can use a negative term that comes from an America, the, the quote unquote N word, whether you take ownership of it or you use it as a derogatory term. But then you're using that to kind of say, well, this is who and what I am. The, the means of transmitting that is via music or video. So then what happens is that in certain music, which has come primarily from America, there is a sense, I will kill a man. I will do this to something. I will do this to an ops. I learned about ops. I didn't know what ops was, but I was educated by music about ops. Mm. But right, mandem, from what I see, mandem doesn't associate in relation to race. Sometimes certain groupings of people... It's, it's different. You could come from different areas, whether it's from parts of Africa, the Caribbean, Asia, depending on your groups, especially in London, it's not primarily one area. But the N-word and using that to, to relate to people irrespective of it, the connotations of that is still a group into self-hatred. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, like, for example, going back to the whole march um, we had yesterday, and to me, the irony of it was you had the right just to be, you know, to matter versus protection of a statue and protection in terms of somebody, a symbolism of a system. If you look at it in the context, as I view it, that you weren't even a part of most people that were marching to protect these symbols. They're marching for nothing. Exactly. But then but the, the nothing is something which is that you believe in something. But what are you actually believing in? Nothing. They're just believing in the propaganda that's been like portrayed to them since they were young. Like Winston Churchill, that video is that guy say Winston Churchill um is it killed Hitler or like caused yeah. to kill Hitler, yeah. which wasn't it's not no not true in that way. Um, so they're having this ideal in this head and thinking that Black Lives Matter and what we're um what we're protest um um protesting for is something related to that is completely just false and it's, it's like the old english values as to what they would call it which barely is anything at this point um no i think i think i think values is that is is like anything traditional values are something that didn't exist it's something that's marketed because if you if you go back and look at traditional values then you have to look at go back and look at victorian london you're gonna have to go and look at in terms of um, the exploitation of children. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is barely anything in this yeah. current tech. Exactly, day and age. you're going to have to look at um, young men being used as cannon fodder if you want to go and look at the First and Second World War. If you have to look at the... F- they weren't teenagers. They were people that left school at 13 to effectively go out and work. So the, the value system that people are looking at is an imagery which has been put onto some, some people which were there. Um, there's, there's always been a history of conflict. Um, there's always been a history whereby people have been in prison. The, the in England has always ex- um, imprisoned people. The UK has imprisoned people, hence the population that was sent to Australia. Yeah. And, and prior to Australia, Barbados, there was a thing which was called to be Barbados. And in terms of Barbados itself, that was a place where people were actually sent prior to Australia. Then you have to look at things in terms of um, even the aspects of what was called a slave code, which started out um, before... Um, Sorry, which was again started out in Barbados, which was to, to industrialize slavery. Mm. Uh, you can go beyond that in relation to um, what um, happened, the relationship between Arabs, West Africans, slavery. You can go beyond that, but there's a, there's a starting point of exploitation and and the enslavement process and um, and what is seen as people working in in, um, in 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 areas where for me there was 
always a ruling class, a merchant class, various other classes, and Hindu society put that in a very structured way. But there was always an aspect where the vast majority of people were seen as having no value. So I know I digress, and I've, I've gone on to various things, but all of that in the context of what's happening now is is, is important. Um, there was a march that, um, I don't know if anyone's aware of it, called the, uh, the Jarrow March, where people moved from the northeast of England because I think it was about 200 men, and about 1936, I think it was, they, they moved to... They moved to yeah, they moved from the northeast to London, and they march because you can't eat. Family can't eat. There's no food. There's nothing. So, to me, there's a reason for you to to march to do what you have to do for a statue, and to show show basically show you're defending your history. Fine, but at the same time, you're also showing that certain groups of people don't matter to you. Yep. And that's fundamentally it. Whether you like it, um, the, the people mainly put um, political between left and right. Left and right, we have left and right hands. We, we even determine different languages. Left and right means different things. But f- in terms of the act that is there, the show of force is to sh- show it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So I'm not going to list the people that have died in America. Um, because it's still happening at the hands of the police. And the thing is about it, which is interesting, is that the police and the system it is usually maybe white police and what they do to black people. But some of the police, and I remember it, are also black in certain areas. There's, a, there's a, about authority and how the authority is controlling a certain group of people. Um, someone like, um, again, let me stop. Candice Owens, have you heard of her? I've heard of her. Um, what's your opinion? I actually can't remember too much on what she's done. I know she's done something, like said, ridiculous things at some points or something like that. I think she, um, um, Republican sympathizer, if you want to call it that. I saw something on in the internet. I've got to go more into details. I think when she was 17, the NAACP came because she was um, saying that um, certain groups of people, white youth, so attacking her. So they came to kind of protect her her interests. Um, as she became older, she became a, a voice piece for the new right. And what she says sometimes has validity, if you want to take it in a broad, broad context. She, she, she brings things up which, again, I've seen from people detracting. And it actually upset me, um, certain groups of people, about, um, well, what about what goes on in... The, in communities, especially in America, like like the killings, black on black killings, what happens then? Who do you call when the police comes in? The, the fact that there's absent fathers. Yet these are all factors. Mm. But what she's doing that in the context of a killing of a man, and this is what sparked everything by a policeman that had his hands in his pockets and a knee on a man's neck for over eight minutes. Yep. And she was saying, well, he's no hero to me. And that it wasn't the fact that he was a hero. She was bringing up what was a criminal past. It's almost that like she was paid um, to, to go out there. Oh, definitely. But one, <laughs> Dave Chappelle, uh, if you didn't know who she, Candice Owens is, you will if you listen to Dave Chappelle because he's got a show on Netflix and also on YouTube. And he breaks it down because I can comment, but I'm, I don't live in America. And you find that uh, people who are a lot more intelligent than me, a lot more articulate, are commentating about America and what's happening there. You've got younger people your age, mm. 
and that's um, irrespective of black, white, Latino, Asian. The, the, the population that represents America are questioning that, um, what it means for your life to matter. Is it one group of people cause I, um, whose lives matter more than another? And the history of America has showed that to be the case, um, that one group of people's their lives matter more. It also shows that the relationship with certain groups of people and the police need to be improved so much. But this spot for, for me, which showed me that there is hope, when people protested, not only in America, throughout America, the UK, um, across the world, places yeah. that I never thought there would be protests. Yeah. So to me, what people like Candice Owens is saying has to be addressed and looked at but that's something that America has to look at in relation to its past, where we are now, and what the future for America will have to be. Because you cannot dismiss people who a foundation of a country was built, built upon who were never seen as a part of that foundation. And I was having a conversation, um, and there's a TV program called, a series called Roots, which was very influential. And it came out in the late 70s, 1970s. And, and the same time that Roots was being shown, Roots is about, if you don't know, it's about a discovery of um, who we were. Alex Haley wrote the book. He also wrote the autobiography of Malcolm X. But he was the person who went back and looked at his ancestry and looked at where he came from. And there's a f famous scene from a distant relative, um, Kunta Kente, some later argue that it was taken from somewhere else. There's always controversy, but generally the story in the late 70s changed people's mindset across the world. There was a realisation, especially for a lot of people in the Caribbean, the UK, outside of America, that we had, we had an enslaved past. We came from Africa. And then when you look at the brutality and what happened there, it, it, it woke up in a lot of people um, the, the, the fact that what was done to them yeah, before that you had other people, other writers, other things were saying there was links, but it was never the power that was there that came out in the late 70s. And my thinking this week and before is that in, even in the context of history, if you look at 80 when people became free, I mean, 2020, that's only, what, um, 40 years mm. of understanding that there's been a link, understanding that there, there is our connection to the world goes deeper and if you, anyone that's done a dna test will realize that especially if you're from the caribbean the americas anywhere that's there there's, there is within your dna it tells the history and why we are who we are but not only not only that but why we are where we are in terms of geographically and mentally and everything else like that so um going back to someone like candice owens who are intelligent articulate but and i just say but if you get a chance Look at Dave Chispel's, um, he's a comedian, but he breaks down things down in such a way, especially in terms of America today and what's happening. Um, and please watch, form an opinion, and have those awkward conversations. Um, Lou, yep. um, I asked earlier about, about your friends and, your, and just generally in terms of um, your guys, your, I mean, how, how's you, in terms of mental health, in terms of how has it affected you, um, how has it been for your friends? Um, I don't know exactly. Um, I don't think I've had that conversation with my friends and that depth. But considering what they're saying, it's just um, it's not like 
I think I, I don't think it's like heavily weighing on us, but it's definitely affecting us because we're since we're some of my friends that are black is just kind of something that we know already, but it's just again opening our eyes more to a system that's just been oppressing us. But we're kind of, I guess, in some ways hopeful because it's um there has been slight change. There has been some people. Oh, just been a unity amongst people who aren't even black or another yeah, ethnicity, yeah. Yeah. even white coming together to say like how show how wrong this is. So that's that's the thing that I think has really uh, made me give gave me hope. You said it is that it's opened the doors to those conversations. Even if you dislike a group of people for whatever reason, uh, you have to question why you dislike. I mean. I was looking at social media before this and they're saying TikTok, um, which is a social media platform. Mm. There's a lot of insidious racist elements to TikTok. Yeah. And um, some people get called out about it. Um, And I think that's, that's not a bad thing because you, if you're doing something that you feel is funny and it may be funny in your grouping of people, but when it comes out of that uh, group of people, are you willing to stand by what you're saying? That's how it is. That's how it is on the internet where it's it's hard because it's kind of like there's free reign you can do whatever you want and if a platform allows you to post whatever you want you can you can do so but as it is the internet and it gets it has the possibility of becoming viral and then you have to be ready for the repercussions of what you post and i've seen some like those racist some um, videos or tiktoks um on there and some some of them are really bad. Like they actually do like very um, in depth kind of like jokes to or like insults towards black people, and it's like, and but, but why? Why would you do that in the twenty first century? I don't know why. I just think it's that again that community of like thinking. There's like some. I remember one person doing an apology video for it, and she was thinking that she didn't know. Um, what she was really doing or like she just saw the online she thought to jump on the trend but um she made like a joke about the three-fifths law and i don't think you would accidentally stumble upon making that joke i think it's something that you would have to um research research and actually know what it means especially in the context that the that um that offensive joke was said um or i don't even know the joke but that offensive video that was said um yeah, it's just again, if you go on the internet, it's, it's free reign, so you can say whatever you want. But it's just knowing the repercussions of those actions, and no one's really ready to stand up for just trying to be a racist. So, because so, I mean, one of the things that happened prior to um, America and the whole issue about the relationship of Black America and the police, and what's happened since then was um, Doja Cat. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. Initially, we were going to do a podcast a couple of weeks back. I wanted to find out a bit more. And I, to be honest, I didn't even look into it. What's what's that all about, about Doja Cat? So Doja Cat was found to just be on this weird website. Not weird website, but there's a website called Tiny Chat where you can um pretty much talk to random people or talk to people that you know on like a message board, but like face-to-face using web cameras and like a microphone. And... Essentially, it was found out that Doja Cat was talking to like weird people, kind of like called incels, um, okay. and stuff like, and people like that. And she was seen doing, saying weird things and doing weird things during those um, 
videos or like tiny chats and internet became the internet and got a kind of story or headline with what was happening and ran with it believing most of it was true until um doja cat kind of like came out and really exposed herself on like a instagram live video kind of saying what she was doing and just explaining what she was doing it for it was kind of people kind of come with the rhetoric that she was anti-black that she okay. was um mixing the right around the white supremacists that um she was didn't appreciate her own like kind of she was dismissive of a half like half heritage uh, heritage yeah. of a half like her, yeah. being her, her being mixed race but then coming finding out that knowledge which i was really skeptical of because no, nothing all of it was like allegations okay again so she it was trial by internet yeah yeah nothing nothing everyone saying oh i heard she did this or oh, um she, they, like there was like headlines you say in like social media or like like gossip place or uh, pages where they're saying dodgy cap so she white supremacist but when you watch the videos there was literally no there wasn't any case of her saying anything like that neither were other people in the room or in that chat room she said the n-word in like a weird way um and she did like some weird sexual like gestures but they weren't she never out rightly said that she any none of them actually said that but that they hate black people or they do anything against yeah. black people so it became like that and then it just ran around the internet until people started kind of, but it happens all the time but um so I, like, I like what you said there. it happens all the time because I was, I was watching something else and it came out again for trina and trina who was a or is was is a a, uh, a rapper from the US, mm. and apparently there's this whole statement um, about anti-blackness, which they're saying that there's some people in America are anti themselves. Yeah, and you got the whole things about the Dominicans who have a ancestral past with Africa, of a um, complex with that, yeah, exactly, and, and, and Hispanics in relation to again the history of the island whereby um, people were imported into the island because they felt there were too many, at the time, slaves. So they wanted to whiten mm-hmm. the island. So you've got Haiti, which is one half of the island, and then you've got um, the Dominican Republic, which is the other. But coming to America, you already got an established uh, system of, of, of racism. So people who associate blackness with inferiority jump onto this thing about self-hate, not identifying that there, there is still a part of that themselves. It's like yeah. the whole thing about colorism, which is, is rife, still rife in, in, um, in the Caribbean. Mm. And I know there was one instance because my father uh, is no longer with us. He, he, we were in a bank when in Barbados and went to Barbados to bury my grandmother. And there was always a history of between Barbados and England. And again, go back and have a look at the Barbados slave code. But, um, People in the bank, English people in the bank, white English people in the bank, said that specifically white English people would walk to the front and expect to be served, especially people coming in from holiday, as well as people who were Barbadian, Bajan, local and white. <laughs> mm. um, they would walk to the front of the queue. My, I think this was in the 80s, um, and my dad um, at the time, and this is one of the things that he did, and it instills strongly in me and it's instilling you guys. There's no one is better than you and you're not better than anybody. Yeah. So someone will walk to the front and demand service. This one voice at the, at the queue just said, Oi, what are you doing? They said, England, you know? <laughs> and made sure. They said, no. And they said, it's not all right. Come back. 
queue up like everybody else. And surprisingly, the vast majority of Bayesian people that were there was like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. He said, it's not. This don't happen in the UK. This don't happen in England. So nobody ain't coming to here and going in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was at a time which it wasn't change. It was, it's still a mindset whereby people are indoctrinated about, and I said it, I said it before about self-hate um, and the anti-self. And, and going back to what you were saying about, like in terms of the internet, that seems to be a place where, I noticed that on Twitter, where certain people will group together, Facebook, in terms of getting their information and just literally um, either build up, destroy, search for someone and, and spin it for their own particular gains. And, yeah. Um, and I mean, if, if I can add something, which is, it's a strange thing about, um, it's not in relation to the internet, but it's in relation to growing up in, in the UK, growing up in London in particular, because I think London is a unique place. And at the same time, there's a lot of good, but there's a lot of things which still need to be addressed, especially for your generation and, and the younger generation. And um, it's it's about what's seen as positive discrimination or balancing the ills, which I think a lot of in, in, there's places who may have maybe one or two black employees, whether they're from the Caribbean or Africa or born in the UK. Yeah. And they've got an empl- a force of maybe employees of about 300 plus and there's other groupings of people and because of what's happened, they now um, seem to be going onto this um, BLM thing, Black Lives Matter, and it's a case of uh, we have to address the balance and with the one or two employers that they have, they now become a, a spokesperson for the ills of the world. Mm. And I remember talking, again, a difficult conversation and I, and I, I can't say I enjoy them, but I don't mind having those difficult conversations because I learn we all learn we have to sometimes deal with things we don't like especially about ourselves like, like one of the reasons we have this podcast <clears throat> is because you educate me yeah um because i wouldn't say i'm biased i think i'm quite fair but i know some of my liberal minded ideas were liberal in 1980 not liberal today <laughs> not liberal today yeah so um i was having this conversation with a, a work colleague and it, it was quite an interesting time because uh it was about work employment and just life and how you feel. And this is a guy, English, working class, tradesperson, very good at what he does. Like a lot of places where you work, there's, an, there's a ceiling. You can't go beyond that. That's when it depends on the people you know, who you work with. A lot of the time it is like that. It's, it, any any environment is like that. But one of the things we were talking about, and many different subjects we talked about, sports, life, family, these are all things we have in common. But then sometimes there's other things, especially perception whether it's the views on brexit and i think brexit was a key point if you're for or against and there's reasons which i can understand both but one of the things we spoke about it was about at the time when he was a teenager looking for work and it was also a time i think around when there was social injustice again and he was he was at college with a friend he was english the guy was british black and british and there was a recruitment by a lot of local authorities at that particular time and they were both going to college they were both doing really well very similar and they a job came up an apprenticeship they both went for it but he didn't get it but at that time what he noticed a lot of his friends who were black um black and british there was a push to get these guys into work environments which didn't have a representation yeah so from his perspective they both studied and uh there was a meritocracy whereby well, we're both as good as each other, but 
I haven't got a chance to get this. So that can stir a sense of loss. It's a sense of uh, where you find there's certain areas where people are in the UK, where it appears that, again, perception that other people are getting something they're not getting, i.e. housing, um, certain advantages, where, again, perception seems to be. I don't think that is by choice. I think that's sometimes by design. Mm. But from a perspective, it seems as though it's unfair. And that can get people thinking a certain way. But part of the conversation that we had, which was uncomfortable, but at the same time, it was informative, is that the following year he got the apprenticeship. He's still friendly with the guy. They were both still talking. But then in terms of what he was able to maybe achieve at work because of his social group, his, his black British friend was not able to do the same. The point I'm making and the point I'm trying to get to is that in trying to address a so-called imbalance or a, or a clear imbalance is that employers, when they look at who they have in their organisation, a lot of the time, uh, and I, it's a term which I dislike, but it's representative of a bigger picture, is people of colour, B-A-M-E, <laughs> yeah, yeah. tend to make up a lower part of a pop, um, working population employees and people at the top again tend to be primarily um of a certain group if i go back one, one of my experiences i remember when i first started working as young 17 18 and i remember I was speaking to a man who was my foreman at the time and he was scottish and we were talking about that and he he checked me about my my attitude to work at the time and i, I respect that. i did have a bad attitude to work not in terms of my work um, commitment and my work effort. It's just that I felt that I wasn't being treated correctly, which I wasn't. But he sat me down and he said, like, unfortunately in life, things are unfair. He was Scottish. He was white. And we worked in an, an environment whereby, and I still use this scenario today. He goes, look around me. Tell me what you see. And I saw. I said, but he goes, what do you see? What do you see in that room? Who do you see in that room? I said, I... They're, they're managers and he goes yeah they're managers so he goes when you when you interact with these managers do i know as much as them i said yeah you know more you everything that goes on here you know what happened how it works so he he was in the room he's saying right fine he goes what do you want to do when you get older and i explained to him what i want to do so he goes do you think this is the right place to be working i said well maybe it is he goes but look around you he goes i'm scottish and i didn't understand what he meant by that I, and he said, yeah, and knowledgeable. I know what's going on. Everything from finances, how the place run. He was the guy that, the glue to keep it going together. Yeah. But he says, everyone in that room is English. And I said, and what? I didn't understand it. I didn't understand, like when I w turned on the TV and I saw people in Ireland, Northern Ireland in particular, having having conflict and people dying. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why there was so much hatred between Scotland and England when they were playing football. Didn't yeah. understand it. But he enlightened me and said, look, this is historic. I will never be in that room. Never. No matter what I do, I will never be in that room. This was the late 70s. And I didn't understand that. And he says, the problem that you have is that you have an attitude. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, you're young. Yeah, but, but it's not fair. He goes, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. So I remember going home and talking to my parents and my sister about it. And they said he has a point. And I said, how do you mean he's got a point? I was young. Had enough of the school system, which was unfair. Life, which was unfair. But I had to go back and think. Strategize. Think about this. Look at it. And I realized it wasn't fair. So what it encouraged me to do was to go back. Because it was supposed to be an apprenticeship I had. It wasn't an apprenticeship. It turned out that it was some bogus government scheme. I had to go back and re-educate myself at college. 
And it's something, as you know, lifelong learning is something I always encourage. Yeah. So what upset me and really kind of got into my emotions and got me thinking is that this was the late 70s, early 80s, 40 years ago, the same time, as I said to you, around the time that Roots was shown, there was a self-awakening, the same time when you're trying to say, look at the world and what it was, the same time that certain groups of people were saying, ain't no black in the Union Jack, check it out. Look at football at the time, look at the society we were living in at the time. In the UK, in England, it was a very harsh time. So to see what's happened in America trigger what's happening here now, to see young people, like, who's that actor, John Boyega? Yep. And um, he's actually came come out and could effectively hampered his career yeah. because he's come out and spoken out about an injustice. There are a big injustice. There's, there's people of my age, I'm late 50s now, and what they did is that they either became a part of the system or they said nothing. And by saying nothing, what you do is perpetuate certain things because if you imagine you start off your career, your working life, not for some, and it's not an excuse, and you work and you, you achieve what you achieve. You can't help. You've got your own personal experience. You look around, see what you can do. But I would say to any young adult, work hard, do what you have to do. And the classic cliche we do work twice as hard. Yeah. What do you think about the work twice as hard philosophy? It's been instilled into me, really. Um, even in like media, at some points, if you watch certain black, um, even like Disney Channel, it's like mm. certain shows that had a episode or like had a kind of portrayal towards more like black people. It kind of instilled that part where it's like it's unfair. But it's unfair. But the fact that it is unfair is something that you have to deal with and work around. And working twice as hard, however, however much harder you need to to get even the foot in the door, or something that needs yeah. to happen. And and then you work twice as hard. And different, all right? Educationally wise, there's certain groupings of people that look at it currently. They would say um, people from South Asia, East Asia, West Africa. Um, there's all these chartings which I think divide certain people, but it's there. They say certain people are doing academically better than others um it's, it's all there but it's the whole you system you get an education you go through go to university depending on the university you go to and that whole game of life but the, that's instilled in you to work twice as hard so if you tick all those boxes and you've done all the things you need to do but the outcome is still not favorable you could end up being quote unquote having a chip on your shoulder those that have done all right in my opinion could end up be maybe like Candice Owens, whereby, well, I've never been affected by this. What's the problem? Everyone has a perception, a perspective of what drives them, what they aim for and what they're doing. But there's no disputing a knee on a man's neck, mm. a knee on a man's neck for over eight millions minutes and watching a man die is wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. It's fundamentally wrong. You know, and that's, that's how I would like to end with it. I mean, um, Two things I would like just to consider. If you read, there's some audio books out at the moment. Um, and I would recommend that highly to anyone that would like to to, to view them. Um, one's by Afua, Afua Hirsch called British. Another one is by Akala called Natives. Uh, and the reason I recommend that to anyone in the UK, just, just re generally, is that it gives an insight into a generation, not my generation. These are guys who are in their late 30s, but the references and what they experience it, it echoes across the board. Yeah, good. Um, because you told me to read a color and that um. Yeah, natives. Yeah. If uh, you said that kind of resonated with you, yeah. And 
being a Carla, she's um Carla being someone that is like of a I say generation after you, but like yeah. a couple or generation bef- um, before before me exactly yeah, and it still resonated with, with me when I read it. It just um shows how much it kind of like and and and, 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 and Afua is a person who the last Afua Hirsch journalist um barrister if I'm not mistaken um. And she's also a person who's been on TV um, with the likes of Piers Morgan in particular. And she, she battles Piers and also uh, Nick Ferrari. These are two guys who have a very uh, confrontational way of interviewing people. But over the years, I've seen how she has educated both of those men um, to the point where um, Piers Morgan, I think it was this week when he was talking to Nigel Farage, and Nigel Farage did his usual snaky. Uh, and he is an intelligent guy. There's no, I'm not denying that. And he's he's articulate and he's manipulative. All those things which is there. But but yeah, he's very good debater. But the thing is, he he met someone who was better, and it meant that when a topic came up which he was not comfortable with, and asked a straight question, he outcome lost his job or walked away depending on how you want to spin it but to me the education started from the likes of Afua Hirsch and the difficult conversations that we all have to have and if for me the last thing that I would say about this is if you believe whether it's in America the UK any aspect of the world that a man could put his knee on somebody else's neck over eight minutes and there's nothing wrong with that and you you voluntarily watch him take somebody's life irrespective of that person's background because that's what happens you then say this person had a certain background so maybe he was right if that's right in your world you need to really question yourself really you know um so it's been a hard conversation yes and i've used it as therapy (laughs) That's why I let you talk for a lot of it. I did. I, I did, think I, you need to let out. I did, and I didn't let out half the stuff I wanted to let out. So um, next time, ho- hopefully, I've done it in such a way. I don't. I don't want to cause offence. But if you're offended by what I'm if saying, if you're offended by what um, my dad's saying, and again, you need to look into something else exactly. because you shouldn't be offended by people trying to have <laughs> talk to have their lives matter exactly to have your life matter to mean something and also I recommend to anybody check your past because sometimes do a DNA test you're not always who you think you are (laughs) so you know what Um, difficult conversations at Old New World thank you for taking the time thank you and next time hopefully we will touch on COVID we're in a much better state and um, we'll be moving on with our lives so again stay safe stay humble and for those out there there's still hope, believe in hope and believe in yourself. And last before at least, Grenfell, uh, it's three years, hard to believe, but again, something that happened to change, that will hopefully change how people's perception of other people are in this world. All right, stay safe, stay humble, and, and love the people around you, man. It Take all cares. Care. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.